Welcome back to Scripps Talks, a podcast that we're hosting during this time of the pandemic. With us today, we have Mary Rogas, a faculty member in the School of Journalism, a longtime faculty member in the School of Journalism. I've invited Mary to come in and talk about some of the adaptations and changes she's had to make both in her teaching, but also just in in her life. So Mary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Bob. When the news about us having to convert to essentially an online format for the balance of the semester, when that that was first announced, what was your reaction? Oh my goodness. (laughs) What are we going to do? Because I teach in the spring a cluster of four classes we're talking the majority of these students' schedule to produce a four-day-a-week live television newscast. So I'm trying to figure out, let's see, no studio, no software, the students have no field gear. How in the world are we going to maintain the integrity of what we want them to learn, which is the process, and the teamwork when they're not together as teams. It was a big gulp. And then I was talking to my teaching partner in this, Tim Sharp, and he was having the same big gulp. We very quickly found that the students were also talking about this. We have a great team this semester. They'd been texting and talking on their group me and like, what can we do and what are we going to do about the middle of Tim and my process to kind of think about, okay, let's just scrap everything that we normally think about and reinvent this thing that we call News at Noon. The students had also been thinking. One of the students sent us an email with some collective ideas that they would like to do during this more than just producing the online stories, which is part of the class, but certainly not all that we do. So it took that moment where we had to say, okay, stop thinking about how we can adapt and start over. Think about here's what we've got. Here are the tools that they have. Here are the communication tools that we have. And we have social media where we can put stuff out there. But yeah, it was a big stomach drop that just said, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've got a well-oiled machine for these kids to produce this newscast and learn in the process. And you're going to have to blow it up. Well, we're seeing this happen all across the country. And, and even at the network level, we're seeing essentially people reinventing a medium that's been around, you know, really since the 50s. It's quite interesting to see that happening. And of course, what our students do with that is going to be extremely important for their jobs and their careers. So, uh, you know, I really tip my hat, not only to you, but to the students for taking that initiative. What, what, What is it about our students, do you think, that puts us in this position where they're the ones giving you ideas for how to how to move forward. When I started in television news, that's all there was. You had maybe two or three stations in the market. You produced a half hour in the morning, you produced a six o'clock newscast, and you produced eleven o'clock newscast. And that was it. There was none of the tools that they have grown up with. 
they have grown up with social media and everything is online and phones that do a whole lot more than just talk. In fact, I don't think some of them even know how to use the talk function. (laughs) They were ready and very ready to jump out and say, okay, I can use my phone. I can go get video. I can take pictures. I can download pictures and video that the people that I interview give me. I can do an interview on FaceTime. I could do an interview on Zoom. We can use Microsoft Teams to literally recreate our newsrooms, which is what we did. And they've made me so proud because they had jumped in and they were the ones that came up with, well, we would like some graphics that match so all of our little stories look the same and our newscasts are cohesive. One of the students said, you know, we've got that open that we use for News at Noon. Can't we download that and use that for our mini newscasts? So they're thinking about this stuff already. We've produced two sets of newscasts now, and I've been so, so proud of the great work that they did and the ways they've been creative to get the things that they used to get very easily with much more sophisticated software and professional equipment that we do. So after the first set of newscasts, I tweeted out how excited I was about the work that they'd done and the link to our Facebook page. I've now heard from over 100 people, a lot of them alums, but also colleagues in the business saying, this is great. This is fabulous experience. This is exactly what we're doing. Leave it to the School of Journalism to adapt and come up with exactly the same things that we're doing in the profession. And I've told the students, this work is probably going to serve you better than anything else you've done through your classes or through our public media station because it shows you out on your own but still part of a team and still producing great content and thinking outside of the box. You know, what do I need to make this story understandable, to bring these stories home to people? And they're doing it, and they're doing it so great. It's just, it's really been exciting and fulfilling to see them take what they've learned so far and be able to adapt it to their modes of communication, to the way that they communicate with each other and with the world. They've just done great. I just, I can't say enough about how well they've done and how exciting it's been for Tim and I to watch this incredible transformation. Now, spring is a busy time for the School of Journalism, and obviously your class is a, is a very consuming class, but there are other activities in the School of Journalism in the spring, and obviously we had to pull the plug on the symposium, actually two symposia, but we also have this awards banquet that everybody looks forward to, and you play a big, big role in that. Students are obviously eager to find out about scholarships and awards and such. How do you think we're going to get that news out to people in a way that still feels like a celebration? Seeing how well we can communicate via social media, I think we're going to try a Twitter banquet. <laughs> Let all the students know that starting at this time, which would have been our normal banquet evening, we'll do maybe some combinations of text tweets and maybe some videos announcing the awards like I normally do, although it'll be a lot easier doing them in 45-second to minute chunks than the entire hour that I normally stand up there and talk. We want to make sure 
sure that we celebrate our students because the scholarship banquet is the time every year when students and their parents and their friends all come together. We have anywhere from 250 to 300 people gathered to just celebrate the best of the best. All of our students are so awesome. But the students who we recognize at the banquet really go above and beyond. And it's our chance to show that off for their parents and family members and friends. We still want to do that, especially for our seniors. We're still working on it, but we're definitely going to have something on the 21st. It won't be as good, but I hope it will be fun for the students. They do a lot of tweeting during the banquet anyway. We're hopeful that we can still give a sense of celebration, especially in this time when everybody's kind of cooped up and looking to reach out to each other. I hope that we as a school can reach out to our students and celebrate the great work they've done over the past year. Looking forward to, you know, another creative solution to that. That's really what these times call for. But what about good old basic ethics? I mean, you teach ethics, and we know that that journalism is being attacked by certain people, but from certain corners for fake news and for sensational news. But we also know that at a moment like this, people are really, really depending on journalism What are some of the basic tenets of ethics that apply in a situation like this more than ever? Well, I think all of our core values apply more than ever. And we've talked to the students, both in the ethics class that I teach and in this group, that when you take what you're doing and you put it totally on social media, it doesn't change those core values. In television, particularly at this time, one of the things that we've been talking to the students about is modeling the behavior we want people to do. In other words, the students are young. (laughs) They still don't think, no matter how serious this is, they still have that sense of, it's not going to happen to me. And we've been very fortunate that so far none of the students have had family or friends who have gotten ill, it's not quite as personally real to them. We've had to make sure that they don't do what TV people have a bad habit of doing in sometimes severe situations, being out in the frigid cold, telling people not to go out into the frigid cold without being totally covered up, and there they are without a hat or standing in the middle of a hurricane, practically blowing away, telling people, don't be going out, that kind of thing. One of the ethical things that we have talked to the students about in a very practical sense is, don't be going out. Don't try to interview people in person. Show that you're doing your stand-ups just outside your own house or in an area where you're isolated. Talk to people. Do these interviews on your phone with a program. And if you get pictures or video from those people, make sure we label that that's courtesy of because we don't want any viewer to think, well, why are they out and about and talking to people when we're being told to stay inside? So that's one of the smaller down-to-the-details ethical questions that we've been emphasizing with the students to model the behavior that we want the public to participate in, prove that we're doing the same things that they're doing. And likewise, we're going through the same things that they're going through, trying to do our jobs from our homes without physical contact. 
the core values of truth and trying to get at truth, of being a voice for those who don't have a voice right now. And there are a lot of people who don't have a voice right now because they're not in their workplaces. They're not in contact with other people. The people that they might go to to talk about a problem are very, very busy dealing with problems at a bigger level. So we still have that responsibility to make sure that the stories are told of the people who are being impacted, the people who clearly are heroes in this time, the people who are putting it all on the line to make us safer, to deal with the patients who are having these issues and the crises of supplies and that kind of thing. That's what we're emphasizing. That's what we're telling the students. We need to tell people's stories. We need to give a voice to people who are stuck at home dealing with real problems. So speaking of staying home and isolating, how are you managing through this time? Better than I thought. (laughs) I've always admired my sister who works from home a lot, saying, I could never do that. I don't have the discipline. You realize that this is it. This is, you have no choice. It's just me and and my little dachshund here. Frankie is, as I say, he's great company, but he's not much of a conversationalist. We've looked for ways to reach out to people. You know, I'm, I'm regularly on the phone with my family. And I have a group of friends that we do a Saturday night Google Hangout, kind of a fun happy hour catching up with what we've done. But we get to see each other, which is important. Try to set up my life as my routine where I work, you know, and get up, get dressed, even put on a little makeup and comb my hair and, and then go and sit in front of the computer and do my day's work. But it's hard. It's hard when... You're a social person who's used to being in a room with a bunch of students or in an office where there are colleagues that can walk down the hall and say hello. I miss that. I miss it a lot. But it is what it is. And so you find that the phone is a great resource to when you just need to talk to somebody. And then we have all these great tools that, you know, we can talk and actually see each other. Um, So I'm learning some new tools there as well. It's hard, and the longer it goes, the harder it gets. I was talking to my parents this weekend, and my mom was like, so are you still coming up for Easter? And I'm like, I don't think so, Mom. That's not really a good idea. You know, they're in a senior living facility, which they haven't totally locked them down, but they're, they're relatively locked down because of their vulnerability. To my mom... It was like, okay, I'm locked down and that kind of thing. But you're my daughter. You're well. Get in the car and come come see me. And it was kind of heartbreaking to say, you know, I just, I can't, Mom. That's not a smart thing to be doing right now. Yeah, it's hard. It's definitely hard. And the longer it goes on, the harder it gets. But, you know, walking the dog and the neighbor was out walking their dog and we're staying apart. And the dogs are co-mingling, as you would say, but we're talking from six feet away. It's like nothing I've ever experienced, or I think any of us in our lifetime have experienced something like this. But yeah, thank goodness for all the, the tools we have that we can still keep in touch, even if we can't physically see one another and, and talk to each other on a daily basis. Well, Mary, to close out, I'd like to know if you have any kind of a message for our seniors. <laughs> I am so, so sad for our seniors. I teach, uh, in addition to the newscast class, 
I teach a senior capstone class. They're sad. They're really sad not to be here in the spring in Athens when there's so much going on for a final time. But they're getting there. They're starting to think towards jobs and the high school seniors, I just can't imagine what they're dealing with. But we're thinking about them. I think about them almost every day. And I just know that once we're through this, I truly believe the university will find a way to celebrate our seniors and to bring us all back for a big graduation celebration. For my seniors, for our journalism seniors, they're going out in a time when they're needed more than ever. And I already know of at least two that already have jobs lined up. They're going out in a time where journalism has just stepped up and really done, I think, incredible work. And they're going to be part of that. I hope they look back on this as, as a time when they've been able to train a little bit differently and adapt. And that will serve them well as they go on into their lives. I just, my heart just, just breaks for our seniors because they've worked for four years for, for this moment. And it's very, very different than they anticipated when they first walked onto campus. Sobering times for us and definitely for them. Well, Mary, thank you very much for sharing with the Scripps Talks audience today. We admire and appreciate all that you do for our students. My